Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council podcast. It is not just a usual podcast. This is a, dare I call it a microcast. Reason being is this is the very first review that we have ever done of Galaxy's Edge. And for those of you that are joining us for the first time, this is a really interesting podcast to join because I am not alone. I am with Mr. Contrary himself, Alistair Clark. Say hello, Ali. The council is sort of in session. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit in session. Not, um, even, not even half the council. Not even half the council. It's 0.4 of the council. Two-fifths? Yeah, yeah two-fifths <laughs> of the council. There you go. Um, and I forgot to introduce myself. If this is your first time listening, my name is Alex. I'm the host uh, of the Jedi Council uh, and it is a podcast. And it's fantastic to have you along for the ride with us. Um, and as per the introduction, yes, this is a review of the Galaxy's Edge uh, land, Star Wars land, for want of a better word, uh, that Ali and I were kind of fortunate enough to visit um, last year. And we've been meaning to get on the mic to discuss Galaxy's Edge, haven't we, mate? And we've just never got around to it. No, absolutely. I mean, I I think it's almost good to start with with the history of of where Galaxy's Edge came from, taking it back to 2015. and, And really the excitement at that time, I mean... Obviously, I know no bigger Star Wars fans than yourself, and maybe Dave as well. And so, <laughs> how how did you feel in 2015 when you first heard that there was going to be a park? Well, it's funny because I, I, as if those of you who have listened to the podcast before will know, I'm a huge Disney fan as well. Um, you know, me and my wife, we tend to go to Disney World, Disneyland in California, Disneyland Paris. We've been to the Hong Kong Disneyland Resort and we've been to Tokyo. The only one we haven't been to is, is Shanghai. Um, and so therefore you can probably guess that the marriage between one of my, my biggest fandom in Star Wars and one of my other ones, Disney, was was a match made in heaven. And even before then, when you think about it, Star Wars has always had a presence in the Disney theme park. You know, the, the Star Tours ride has yeah. been around for 20, 30 years. Um, when, I think it was back in 2013, 2014, they announced that Star Tours was going to become Star Tours 2, the journey continues or story continues or something like that, where they completely changed the way the Star Tours work to become this dynamic ride where it's never the same. Um, and then, of course, in 2015, when they announced Galaxy's Edge, or at that point in time, it was, I don't even think it was named at that point. It was just, we're going to build a theme park in Disneyland and Disney World. And it completely blew my mind. And I was super excited, chomping at the bit, ready to go. And I really wasn't disappointed. I mean, like you said, mate, I know you're not into it as much per se, but nevertheless, I mean, it's an exciting time for Star Wars, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the first sort of interesting thing in the development not the first interesting, the whole thing's interesting. But when they sort of called it Batu, and we were discovering that it was going to be a new world with very sort of limited storyline other than what they created for it. And I thought that was the moment where it got like, okay, this is this is really interesting because they could have they could have gone anywhere with it, as you know. Um, I, I think they were supposed to have like sort of their own language, which I'm not sure has really taken off that much. But um, I I think from the original concepts, it's all been pretty amazing. Then obviously, even before the, the park opened, there were tie-ins in terms of books and, and comics. So, um, yeah, Black Spire Outpost, isn't it? So yeah, that's it. Really, really interesting. I mean, what was your take on that as someone who reads a lot of comics? I mean, the, the, the interesting thing for me was that how, when they did announce it, it was going to be this, undiscovered, undocumented planet, for want of a better word, in previous canon in any of the movies. It was not in the Clone Wars. It wasn't in Rebels. Um, And and let's be honest, the fan community were a bit like, that's a little bit strange. They could have picked uh, Tatooine. They could have picked Coruscant. They could have picked, well, maybe not Dagobah or Hoth, because that would just be a little bit weird. But, um, you know, they had all these planets that they could have, picked and, and be inspired from and have kind of gone actually we're going to make this and a real part of the star wars galaxy and uh, initially i was a bit hesitant to think is that really going to work but then as it as it kind of warmed up and to your point you know it was in um the thrawn novel thrawn allegiance alliance whatever it's alliance, called yeah. alliance yeah it's, it's in there where we know that he goes to 
Batu initially with Anakin and then obviously again with Darth Vader. Um, and then they brought out the Black Spire comic book, which was like a five episode Galaxy's Edge series. And I, and I actually read it before I went there because I really wanted to kind of get a feel for it. Because for me, you know, I jump into anything that Star Wars make. Let's finish that's a book, yeah. a video game, a novel, whatever, you know, a comic book, whatever. Um, and picking up the book really made me quite interested even more because even though we went to the one in Florida together in November, I obviously visited the one in Disneyland in California first in August, September time uh, last year. So I've actually done both. Um, so when I did the first one, I was, I was, I was blown away when I went to both, to be honest with you. Uh, but nevertheless, it's, it's interesting to see the way they're tying it together. Um, and we now know, of course, to your point, yes, there is a language, you know, you get greeted with bright suns is good morning um to the spire is goodbye so you know they've got these little phrases that make it quite real and they're even mentioned in the books and the comics as well where you've got actors uh, sorry actors uh, characters in these comic books saying bright suns to, to each other and then they're really trying to integrate it and it hasn't taken off to your point and you get the odd cast member that still says it here and there. And, you know, for those of the, those are the people that kind of visited earlier on still say it when they go back on how I do, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's such a cool way that they've taken it. They, you know, they've just gone, this is part of the Star Wars universe. It's a real place. It's got a real story. It has a history and this is slightly going off tangent a little bit, but with the upcoming Star Wars hotel, mm it's going to become even bigger and better yeah yeah so 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 i think maybe it'd be good to set sort of the scene as to our our visit in november of last year so i i hadn't been actually to disney in orlando before i i'd previously i'd been to orlando i think three times before but i'd always gone to universal um, and the harry potter worlds so (laughs) I, to me, the Harry Potter worlds is 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 the pinnacle of sort of immersive, um, interactive rides, areas, and lands. So I went in with pretty high expectations, and so um, slightly oddly, we went in through Toy Story Land, didn't we? But you say it's a bit <laughs> different in in um, in uh, in the West Coast. Yeah, that's right. And just to kind of st- take a, take that step back to your. Um your point there about Harry Potter world. That is, that's a really good comparison because if you've been to Harry Potter world in, in universal, whether that's California or Florida, as the case may be, where they've got both um, Diagon Alley and the other place that I Hogwarts. Thank you. Um, And you know, when I've got both and then the train that connects them, the Hogwarts express, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. And that is a really good comparison because that's, that's the benchmark and effectively Disney, you've seen what harry potter has done now obviously harry potter made the decision to use existing places from Mm. the books and the movies and again i think a lot of star wars fans were kind of thinking that disney would do the same yeah and i think it's worked what they've done because they've taken that immersive immersivefulness if that's a real word yes it is yeah i think so um and kind of taking it to a whole new level you know the fact that you get a variety of things that are there that are purely there for the sake of the of the planet um is quite interesting and yeah going back to the other point you made about how you go into into the land with florida yet you go in via toy story land or you can go in via another entrance uh which i'm just trying to remember where it is it's it's not by the no it's near what used to be known as uh, Hollywood Boulevard, uh, because you've got the Star Tours ride, it's behind the Muppets, yeah. So that way in and out is a little bit better in my mind because when you come out of the Toy Story Land exit or you go into Toy Story Land, you kind of just turn around the corner and there's a massive like woody and you're a bit like, well, that doesn't Sorry. feel like I'm in Star Wars, you know? Um, whereas <laughs> when you think with, with Harry Potter, um, Sorry, way... I do hate it when I come out somewhere and I'm facing Alex and his Woody. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit that out. Okay. Uh... <laughs> sorry, I was I was losing it. Um, but when when you go um, to the West Coast, 
the entrances in and out through Critter Country um, and the other one, I, I can't remember where it is, it's a lot more concealed. Yeah. Um, and for me, that and obviously that's one of the exits in Florida. For me, that actually makes it better because you're literally leaving Disney and you're entering Star Wars land. Um, yeah. And the way you kind of walk out, and Disney do this on purpose, right? Yeah. And, and for those of you that aren't aware, when you walk into any of the theme parks, you'll, well, for, for the most part, you'll kind of notice you go through, especially with the Magic Kingdom in particular and any of the parks all over the world, you kind of go underneath a very low-ceilinged entrance because then when you come out the other side, it's this huge immersive experience of walking into a theme park. And they've done exactly the same with, with Galaxy's Edge where you, you kind of walk in, there's a bit of a low ceiling, you turn a corner, and then all of a sudden the colour theming changes, the music changes, the sound effects change. And because as soon as you get that, the moment you turn the corner, you know you're no longer in Disneyland or Disney World, as the case may be. And then yeah. obviously the converse of that is when you leave Galaxy's Edge and walk into Toy Story, you kind of don't have that <laughs> cut off. It's just it's blended yeah. and it looks really weird. But that's one yeah. thing to nitpick. But never mind. No, um, just just because we do go off on tangents a lot. It's, you know, so I want to talk about something slightly relevant, but irrelevant, because we were talking about Harry Potter just for a second there. And really, that's built out Universal Orlando. If you think of all the hotels that have happened mm. since, it was such a game changer having this world. And I think it's important to say Disney's response was not only um, Star Wars, but also also Pandora and Animal Kingdom, where it turned Animal Kingdom into a must-go area to go and see Pandora, mm. which is amazing as well. And what I, I really, really loved Pandora. We, we went there as well. But off the bat, I think that what you can see with Galaxy's Edges is that they take what's been done before and ramp it all up to another level. And I think that that's really important to, to say that, to me, mm. um, the other two are incredible. They are amazing, amazing experiences. But when you go into Galaxy's Edge and they've done the most amazing job of scenery but also of sound mm -hmm. so you can hear tie fighters above you and you keep looking <laughs> up like it's planes um yeah so i just i just wanted to bring in that point that really i think i think that themed parks but i know they're called theme parks but actually <laughs> themed areas in parks yeah. appears to be the way to growth at the moment and so, well, yeah it's funny when you think of Disney parks in general, you have like Adventureland, you have the Old West, you've got a variety of different themes. And Disney have always done theming really well. Like the hotels are themed, you know, sure. you go to the Polynesian and it feels like you're in Hawaii, you know, things like that. But what they've kind of done with, with Galaxy's Edge is, well, in my mind, anyway, they've, they've, they've kind of created a film set when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, to your point, when when we first went to, to Galaxy's Edge and I, I was in, in, in California with my wife, um, we, we kind of walked in, you have the sounds. We all know John Williams created his own score and whatnot. We're just kind of walking around and all of a sudden, yeah, to your point, you hear this TIE fighter and I'm geeking out massively at this point. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is cool. But I turn around to look at my wife, Catherine, and she's like, what on earth was that? Where did that come from? Because it's such an immersive experience that it's not just like one speaker kicking out this sound. It's like, They've actually thought about the, the way that the TIE fighter flies from one kind of behind you or in front of you and yeah. goes over you. So the sound carries. Yeah. Um, it really is that immersive. And, and the fact that Disney have thought about literally every tiny little detail, you know, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Even down to the fact that they've got Coke that's now written in Arabesh. You know? well, that's what I was going to say. That was actually our very first experience. Yeah, that's right. It was. So, yeah, as, as you kind of walk in, there was this um, drink stand, wasn't there, where you could buy Coke, Diet Coke and Sprite in the shape of a thermal detonator bottle. But I'm everything's mine right now. Excellent. And, that, and, and if correct me if I'm wrong, that's your first Star Wars collectible to a certain extent. I've had a few, but they've gone rogue. So, yeah, that's I, I'd say it's my first permanent one. It's your first from the theme park as well, so you know yeah, uh, that's always a good thing. And yeah, I mean for the proper you, fans, for <laughs> exactly. But you actually you kind of um, you buy you you pay a little bit more. Let's 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 be honest. I think it was about five dollars for a bottle of Coke, I think which it was more it might have been six fifty or something like that. But you kind of 
buy it because you know it's a keepsake. It's not just a regular bottle of Coke. Um, no. You can't just go to your to, to a supermarket or even to somewhere else in Disney and buy the Arabesh Coke. You have to buy it in Galaxy's Edge, which I think is, again, an incredible way to bring the real world into Star Wars land and vice versa. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, that is... That is the first controversial point as well, though, isn't it? Mm. Which some people don't like. I mean, yeah. I, I personally don't have a problem with it at all. But for some people who take um, Star Wars very literally, A, they don't like real world appliances to the yeah. store, etc. But also the fact that people then would argue it makes Coca-Cola and Sprite canon. Obviously, I don't believe that at all. I think it's yeah. just there because what else are you going to drink? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So I, I remember oh, I really in, the like old, in the old EU books, um, uh, I think it was in the 90s, they introduced CAF. Now, CAF is effectively coffee. Right. But they've called it CAF because they wanted to make it Star Wars related, you know, something like that. Um, and when somebody was writing, they wouldn't write on paper. It would be on flimsy, you know. So they, they had modern day or like real world items and they've always had it. So I've never really had that much of an issue with it. I thought it was pretty cool to your point. I mean, you know, to, what, what else are you going to drink? It's like, you know, here's, here's, here's blue milk and green milk, which you can obviously buy and we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah. it's you need to have some form of drink to allow people to drink because it's Florida and California. I mean, in the summer, you know, it gets bloody hot. Yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm just agreeing with you. Yeah, no, because then obviously where the stand is, it we can't. So again, for, to add some context around the land for the for the listeners who have not been there, the land's kind of divided between the first order side of of Black Spire and the resistance side of Black Spire. Um, so where we came in was actually the resistance side, and there is the ride that's now open, which wasn't at the time called Rise of the Resistance, and you know we're both gutted it wasn't open at that particular point in time. And I'm sure we'll do a show about rise of the resistance when we get there, but um, you kind we're of then back in November, we're going back in November for a part two. So, you know, and for those of you that follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, we'll see, we did a live review of, of some of the food. We'll talk about the food in a minute again, but yeah. so you can expect something like that from us uh, when, um, when we go back in November again. So I think going back there and knowing that there's something else that's new to see, is going to make the, the the visit even better. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, you kind of walk past here, and then all of a sudden you see a life size A wing, um, a life size X wing, and for me the the nerd just went bananas when I started to see those things. I mean, I obviously saw them in California, and I knew they were there in, in Florida. So Ali, what when you saw them, what did you think? The, yeah, it's sort of. I, I don't know. You, you, you've seen them on screen so many times that it's so familiar to you, but mm. you're still not prepared for the scale. And whilst you can't touch them physically, they obviously have physical weight, which is different to on a screen when it's in front of your eyes. And it's just, you know, you it brings the child out in you in that in that moment and you kind of cut through all the nonsense of what fandom is and isn't and what it means to a lot of people because you are so um you're living in the star wars world you never thought you possibly could you're actually living it yeah it's it's a it's a really good way to describe it because as a kid if somebody said to me you could go and live or visit star wars i would have been over the moon yeah uh, uh, you know it is a kid's dream come true and the thing that's interesting for me that that i kind of noticed on on both occasions it's not just the 40 year old nerds that were there at the beginning there are younger kids these days i've noticed more and more dressed up as as ray dressed up okay. as kylo ren yeah uh wearing x-wing pilot outfits to be like poe and while the new sequel trilogy has had critics critiques you know we've been part of that process let's be honest the fact yeah. that in this new setting 
you still get that. And that's something else to, to kind of just add to the context around the man that I completely forgot to add. So the positioning of Black Spire and the positioning of this particular land is actually set after the end of The Last Jedi, but yeah. before the beginning of The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So it's not just a planet in the Star Wars universe. It's a planet in the Star Wars universe in the timeline that really does exist. Um, so it's an interesting way that they've kind of themed it from that respect as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, look, I'm going to keep everything really positive about this podcast. I think that's, that, that's an interesting decision um, and and one which they've been able to adapt because they're now including an R2-D2 droid that's rolling around now, which wasn't there when we were there. Um, so so by timelines, I think it's mm-hmm. it's going to become more of a fluid concept and, and change um, as needed. So I think that's yeah. really, really interesting because obviously we went before episode nine came out. Yeah, we did. And, yeah. Yeah. and so already elements of that world are dated because of what happened in the film, which we didn't <laughs> know beforehand, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, there, there has been a lot of questions about it, you know, and we'll touch on the smugglers run wide, you know, like how did Hondo get a hold of the Millennium Falcon? You know, things like that, that we, you get an answer to while you're there. But effectively, if you're from the outside looking in, it literally doesn't make any sense. Um, You know, um, so it's it's, having it set within a certain timeline is quite it's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, And like I said, I do want to keep this positive, like because because it is really, really good. But you can see why people are sort of um, not put out, but but they can they, they sort of didn't love it as much as they might have done. It's funny, you, again, without going into too much detail, but you, you hear a lot of people that are quite negative about it, but I've seen a lot of people that were negative before they went go, really enjoy it, and go, you know what, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Simultaneously, I've seen people that have gone in there and gone, this isn't my Star Wars. Now, yeah. I, you know, so you get both, for me personally, if you walk out of there and go, that's not my Star Wars, you are absolutely blind. Um not because of how you feel, but because there's so much, so many nods to the wider Star Wars universe. And somebody I read the other day had tried to strike up a, a, a poll on Twitter saying, we need the Mandalorian in Galaxy's Edge, which I'm thinking that wouldn't, obviously from a timeline perspective, it would make no sense. And well, like we need to sell Baby Yoda stuff. I'm like, well, how does that make sense? Well, that's, I mean, I think that's the problem with the time setting and why it's going to be fluid. I mean, um, should we, should we talk about, um, the ride that we went on quickly because it's relevant to that, that point, um, Smuggler's Run. So, so when they were developing this ride, rumour is that they were going to be three different ride experiences, but obviously a solo didn't perform very well and the ride experience is based on a particular solo adventure apparently mm-hmm. they narrowed it down to one um but but there is huge rumors out there that they're developing new ones right now based on the mandalorian so i wanted i don't know if you knew that or not yeah no i knew that they so were. i wanted to get that out there before people yeah. started thinking um we we didn't know that that there is going to be mandalorian bits in it which makes sense to me because it's a it's not out in the uk yet but but it's a huge cultural um yeah. event yeah, I think the technology they use on Smuggler's Run is is like Star Tours because the yeah. the screen is interchangeable for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they have that flexibility does allow them to make the ride somewhat different to the land, if that makes sense. Because yes. um, if they're theming it to be this in-between of The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, you've got you know, Ray and Chewie walking around in one part. You've got Kylo Ren and Storm, the first, all the stormtroopers walking around in another. Yet all of a sudden you've got the Mandalorian rocking up. It's a bit, well, hold on. You're, unless they change that timeline at some yeah. point as well, because I mean, it's a theme park, right? It's yeah, not exactly. a film. It's not like once it's been made, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it I suspect they'll build it out as well yeah. at some point. And they've got the land to do so as well. You know, if they're, if they're like linking into this Star Wars hotel, you know, the interesting part will be, do you, 
exist and and the the whole point of this theme star wars hotel is that or galactic starship as it's appropriately called um you become a character in the star wars universe staying on this cruise ship um but you can then get in and out of batu via um a shuttle and this that and the other so you actually become part of the star wars universe by staying at the galactic starship now again is that going to be themed or timed at the same time as the Last Jedi and Rise of, uh, Rise of Skywalker? Who knows? Yeah. I'm going to assume yes. Yeah, I, that, that's that's the problem, isn't it? Is is that Disney doesn't know what's going to be popular, what's not going to be popular until it's out there and it's road tested and people have seen it. And so some things will not work and some things will work. For example, the character who's the spy doesn't seem to have had much traction. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Yeah, even though she's got her own book and comic series as well. Yeah, just hasn't really cut through. Mm. But something like Baby Yoda has, so you'd imagine at some point yeah. there'll be something about that. But then again, yeah. you spotted the Mandalorian helmet before anyone else that I knew and put it on Twitter because uh, we were out there when episode one aired. Yeah. Obviously no one knew what the Mandalorian was really going to be like. And then you were there and spotted his helmet, his weapon, and maybe an insignia. So, his you know. Yeah, exactly. So that's in uh, Savvy's workshop, um, which is quite quite interesting actually, because on in the workshop itself, there's so many nods to the wider Star Wars universe, and you can get lost in. Oh, look, there's you know there's a stuffed Wampa, um, there's a blaster here, there's a this that, and you're kind of looking around. And this is obviously where you can build buy a buy a lightsaber. And yeah, I just I just turned around and I was like, wait, hold on, that's the blaster from the Mandalorian. Yeah, um, which was quite a nice little nod because obviously I went to it in California earlier on in the year, and while I didn't recognise it, it's because probably it wasn't the forefront of my mind. So was it there? I don't know. But nevertheless, I was a bit like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" Yeah. But um, jumping back to Smuggler's Run, <laughs> we rode it together. Yeah. Um, there was obviously us two and our respective other halves. Yeah. What did you think? Okay, so you have to start even before you get in the queue because you <laughs> yes. are yeah, true, true. with the Millennium Falcon and whatever you think the Falcon's like and even if you think you know every nut and bolt and every bit of welding, you're not prepared to stand opposite, under it, around it, yep. sit from about... 50 different angles as the queue loops around this amazing mm-hmm. thing. And the detail is so insane that you can actually see uh, the thrusters firing, the sounds of it. You can almost smell it when you're in the queue, the oil, the, yeah. you know. Um, I, I mean, if you, it, I'll ask you the question, really, Alex. You asked me about the X-Wing. What was it like for you standing by the Falcon? I nearly cried. I really did. Yeah. Um, so obviously the first time I saw it was over in, in California and uh, it was a beautiful sunny day. There was, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Um, and to get to, to get to the Falcon, you can get it in, in two different ways. And we came through uh, the, like the market um, and you kind of come out and you, you can see a little bit. And as you keep walking, you get to like a viewing platform to, to a certain extent and it's there and it's just, it's, it's massive. Cause obviously it's a, it's a real, life-size life-scale version of the falcon and it is absolutely breathtaking um and it's obviously the falcon as we see it at the end of the last jedi um and it completely took my breath away um i think i've got a million pictures of it on my on my camera um even though i didn't need them but nevertheless they it was there and I, and, I, and I got told off uh, <laughs> by yeah. one of the cast members so i wanted to do the bit from Empire Strikes Back where Han runs his hand underneath the bottom of the ship and I got super close and as I started to reach up a cast member said excuse me sir can you step back from there I was a bit like oh so close um because I, I just wanted to live out that yeah. that real life <laughs> but oddly, they, um, in, in Florida they were letting you closer weren't they yeah it's that's surprising actually yeah yeah, so we got quite close to the barrier. Uh, we got a few because obviously that's where the queue was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. For the ride, it was kind of going all the way around. So maybe maybe to start off with, because uh, obviously I went there just to, like a month or two after it opened in 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 Cali. I don't know if they were quite restrictive to make sure that people weren't 
hurting it or breaking it or anything. And then Florida have gone, you know what, you can't actually do anything with it, so let's just do it nevertheless. So, yeah, yeah, it was was such an experience. And, you know, when you queue up to get on, on the ride, you get behind it. Yeah. And to your point, you can see the back bit light up in like the blue of the thrusters, the the, the steam coming yeah. off of it. Um, it is it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and you're kind of walking through a workshop mm. as well in the queue. And I think that's it. And this is just the queue. You're not even on the ride yet. No, and really, the first part when you're at the ride is when you are confronted by a Hondo, isn't it? Really. Yeah, so you go into a little room um, and you get the animatronic of Hondo. Now, again, the first time that, well, that I did in California, Catherine turned around and said to me, is that a real person? Um, because, <laughs> the te- real. you know, it does. The technology they're using for these kind of robots or, or animatronics are absolutely breathtaking. You know, his movements, his actions look uh, real. They've obviously got the same voice actor as what he was in, in the Clone Wars and the Rebels cartoons, etc. So, you know, they've really got it down to a T. But again, this goes back to something that kind of we touched on. If you aren't familiar with the Clone Wars or Rebels, you haven't got a Scooby-Doo who this guy is, you know? Um, yeah. And there's people like me going, oh, my God, it's Hondo. This is so cool. But to the wider, you know, they could have easily probably put somebody in there like even Maz Kanata to a certain extent because – everybody knows who who she is after being in the movies whereas you really need to be in the ethos of star wars to know who honda is yeah yeah exactly like so so my girlfriend aileen she she wouldn't have a clue who honda was <laughs> but that doesn't matter it's it's the, the 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 story really starts with him and you don't need to know who he is yeah. to get it yeah and he's called and the and without well, this is going into spoiler territory somewhat. Um, he asks Chewie as a favour to borrow the Falcon, basically. Um, which, if you listeners were kind of talking to, if you listening to us in the past, I think, um, when yeah. we first started to talk about Galaxy's Edge when it was opening and stuff, there was a question that we didn't know the answer to of to how does Hondo get the Falcon, you know? Um, because there was no real kind of information that had been provided, and this clearly explains as to why and how. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you then effectively get on board onto the Falcon. So you're walking through the corridors. Um, you then get a role that you have to play on the ride. Um, so there are three roles that you can get. There is pilot, gunner, and engineer. Um, so there's two of each, effectively. Um, and I can't remember. What, what did we get? You were pilot. Yeah. Aileen was a pilot, and Catherine and I were gunners. And gunners. Sh- shall I admit why? Because I was so desperate to go to the toilet after queuing that I thought the idea of piloting was just too much. <laughs> and to be fair, it's quite it's quite um, an engrossing ride as well because yeah, it, was. Uh, it really is because the the two pilots have the role of the person on the left goes up and down, the person on the right goes left and right, um, and. The, the gunners have to press the guns when the lights flash and they're different flashes of different lights and the engineers have to do the same. One of the pilots has to punch it to go into light speed, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but, and th- this is where I'm, I'm going to sound really horrible. The first time me and Catherine ever did it, now I wanted to be a pilot, so we did it again and I got it. But the first time Catherine and I were both engineers. Yeah. And the first time we rode it, there was a father and a son. The son was about five years old. He absolutely loved it, but he kept on crashing. Right. And I'm going to sound like a horrible person. I was like, oh, my God, let somebody else pilot. I didn't say it, but in, <laughs> in the back of my mind, I was thinking, come on, because it's, it's real. So what I mean by that is that you get a score. At the end of the ride, Hondo speaks to you and says, you know, you've got two, two bundles of coaxium. Um, you owe me this. There's damage to the ship and this, that, and the other. And, and so when you're on the ship and, like, you're competitive the way I can get at times. Um, I, I want to become a really cool pilot and actually do well. And, you know, the first time I did it, we didn't have that one. Nevertheless, subsequently when we did it collectively as a four, it was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I didn't actually get to watch too much of the actual story from the front because I was so concentrated mm. in slightly competitive as well on making sure we shot things. So, as you say, as it's flashing light, you've got to focus on the light, and it's, you can't really focus on the ride at the front. So, yeah. 
so I think you, I would really recommend trying all the different roles if if you get the opportunity. I mean, we we I think we did really well actually, which is quite yeah, we surprising. did. Because there's one particular scene we're, we're spoiling it, aren't we? So where you we have are. to get behind a train. Yeah, and we did it dead on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, we kind of perfected it to a certain extent, didn't we? Yeah, well, we didn't have to pay anything back, so... Yeah. I didn't yeah, even I know that was a thing until you just said it. Yeah, no, it's true, yeah. So if you do really badly, you kind of owe Hondo money for damaging the ship and damaging the cargo. So, right. um, it, again, it's quite immersive in, in, in that respect. And then, um, so, yeah, and as you, to your point, though, I think you have to ride it at least two, three times, three times, really, to do every single roll. Yeah, definitely. Because we have we have skipped here the the just before you get on the ride, you are in the actual sort of belly of the Falcon, and you can go to the hollow chest, have a selfie there. There's various yeah. other things you can do while you're waiting for your turn. And obviously, we took some photos there, and it was incredible. Yeah, we did, and, and again, they've got the theming down to a T. You know, they really have, and um, it looks like you're in the middle of the Falcon, the way it was when you watched The Last Hope and you see Chewie um, playing hollow chess against, or even when you think about it in The Rise of Skywalker, Chewie's playing hollow chess against, you know, um, Poe and Finn, you know, it's exactly the same as that, which is so cool. And yeah, so many good photo opportunities and whatnot. So, oh yeah. uh, And, um, oh yeah, I can't wait to go back. Sorry. (laughs) It's awesome. It's awesome. awesome. But But, what we um, have, sorry, go on, go on. I was going to say what we have skipped was the bit before that where we walk through the market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so for, uh, before you even get to the Millennium Falcon, there's a couple of things you have. There's the, um, there's the Black Spire market, effectively. Um, so here is where you can buy in-world items, like some of the toys are, are themed as if they're made locally and things like that. You know, you've got um, the Toy Darien Toy Maker is the name of a shop. Um, the jewels of Bith is another name of another shop, you know, so there's, there's different places where you can buy your merch. Um, and then we stopped off for some lunch at Ronto roasters. Um, and we had a Ronto wrap, which was quite something else. It was, it was a really nice hot dog really, wasn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, so in terms of theme in here, what you have is you have a pod racer engine cooking the meat with Mm. a droid underneath turning it. And it changes all the time. So if we if we sat there for 15 minutes, I don't think we'd have seen the same sequence of events twice. Yeah, so I'd agree with that. It's 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 just I think I took a two and a half minute video just wait, watching it, waiting for it to start the engine to go. Um, it didn't quite go on the occasion, but um, wow, it was it was incredible. Yeah, it really was, and uh, obviously, for health and safety reasons, the engine doesn't cook the food. What? <laughs> there is a, yeah, I know, spoiler. Um, but, you know, the, the food know. itself the food itself was great. We got a couple of beers as well. Um, okay. And again, for you guys that have seen the video, we did we, we put a, a live video on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter of, of us doing that. So go to all of our respective social media channels to check that out if you haven't done it so far. Um, and then we went to the cantina. Yeah. So, so guys, the cantina, again, if you're thinking of going to Galaxy's Edge, know this in advance. You can't just turn up on the day and expect to get into the cantina. You have to have a reservation, um, which some people like, some people don't, because if you aren't aware of it, technically you could miss out. Now, there are availabilities on the day, but they're limited. Um, and I, I believe if you go like in the last hour of the day, they might let you walk in, uh, right. because normally at that point in time, it's a little bit quieter, but... For the most part, if you want to go, you need a reservation. We got our reservation 60 days in advance because we knew he was going to go. Um, and also the bad thing to a certain extent, but it's a good thing because everybody gets to experience is that you can only get two drinks. Um, you're only allowed to have two drinks in the cantina with a maximum of 45 minutes being in the cantina itself because they want to get everybody and they want everyone to experience the cantina yeah. for what it is, um, which again... Uh, to be fair, I think drinking two drinks in there is because they're a tiny bit expensive, um, yeah, they but they are they're themed drinks from the Star Wars universe. And Ali, you know, when when we walked in, well, again, one of the initial issues that people had was that it wasn't the cantina from Tatooine. You know, it wasn't a known cantina. It was completely new. So there was a there was a, there was a few discouraging comments from people about that. But how did 
you feel when you walked in and we sat down at the table? I, I don't even... Do you know what? I, it's almost too much to take in when you're being guided to your seats. Um, because you can see in the central part what could be, you know... It's, the layout is of what could be any typical bar in America. But mm-hmm. you walk in and you are looking at just the most amazing optics the way that the alcohol's dispersed um you're looking around and it just it feels like you're in another planet's bar and then you can see like dj rex playing some tunes and you are just i think we sat down and you're not supposed to walk around too much but you and i did a little loop around in a tour mm-hmm. and it's just unbelievable like you you i don't even describe it it's it's one of those moments where you can't really put it into words what you're what you're feeling and and, mm. and the, what you are in that moment because no video will ever capture the essence of, of how you feel there. I think I think um, Catherine and, and Aileen as well were just that was a moment where they were just sort of oh my gosh this is ridiculous this is actually ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And, and again, listeners, um, you know, we did a, a video of us tasting our drinks in the canteen. So again, go to the social media channels and check that out. Um, but we're going to talk think, about that. Yeah, it's we'll, we'll, the fuzzy tongue on and we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, uh, right. Because the fact what, that it was four of us meant that obviously, even with the two drink limit, it meant that everyone could, if we wanted to, drink. have eight different drinks. So everyone could try everything. <laughs> and we did try a number of drinks. So that was really yeah. good. Yeah, and, and again, to, to, to your point there about the whole walking around thing, one thing they say to you is that if you do walk around and you don't take and, you, and your drinks are still on the table, because they think you have left, they will take your drinks. Yeah. Um, so the benefit of having the four of us was that me and you could get up another wonder. Yeah. But no, our drinks are safe. Whereas obviously we then did the same, and, 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 Kathleen, and Aileen, Kathleen and Aileen did the same as well. So, you know, having that, whereas if it's just you on your own or, or with the two of you, it's kind of difficult for you both to experience walking around at the same time because yeah. they will take your drinks if not. Um, and again, DJ Rex, he's got a new job. Uh, for yeah. those of you that weren't aware, DJ Rex used to be the pilot in Star Tours. Um, and then when they when they actually moved around the uh, the ride and obviously changed it to have 3PO as the pilot, DJ Rex no longer had a job, but now he's found himself being a DJ in Ogre's Cantina on the planet of Batu, which is <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's really cool. And, and the music he was playing was really cool. There was um, some Star Wars themed music in the tracks as well, which is pretty good. Yeah. And now let's let's talk about the drinks. Okay, but oh, I see we're jumping as normal. But actually, Aileen and Catherine, they loved it so much that actually they did a loop and a tour before we did because they True. wanted to see the theme in, which, you know, that. They know Star Wars, but they're not like huge Star Wars fans. Um, yeah. But they were so enthralled that they wanted to immediately go and look at it. And mm. It was kind of like, okay, we'll take a back seat here on this one time. Um, but but that's how good it was for them. And yeah, and on the DJ Rex bit, I don't know if this is what you were going to come to, but um, so the music is normal. But then they have this really cool set piece where Rex stops working. Yep. Yeah. And, carry on. And then, sorry, and then when Rex sort of reboots, he plays the song that's sweeping the galaxy, which is Alex. The cantina thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and it goes a bit mental at that. (laughs) Yeah, there's two kind of bits in in the cantina. So obviously where you get 45 minutes, it's enough time to enjoy it. And there's another part, again, without spoiling it, where the machines that make the drink behind the the counter and and the actual service stops working. and all the music goes off, so they then smash with like a with a spanner to get this thing working. And when it starts working again, everybody in the cantina just goes, "Hey!" So again, it's another <laughs> kind of uh, weird scenario, but it kind of gets everybody into it, if that makes yeah, sense. Uh, and it's a bit of a show at the same time. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what it is. It's a show. But it's an immersive experience, so therefore they're trying to make it as much as they can. So, um, do you want to talk about the drinks now? Okay, so. I had two. One was amazing, quite sweet, like a kiwi sort of drink. Definitely like exotic fruit. The second one, which Alex is talking about, is a fuzzy tonto. Now, you'd tried it before and you warned me about it, but I was yep. feeling 
a little bit happy with life because there's quite a bit of alcohol in these drinks as well. Mm-hmm. And this um, was the second drink you had, wasn't it? It wasn't the first. Yeah, it was, it was the, the second, second yeah. one. It was a really yeah. hot day, so we were a bit dehydrated, and so it had gone to me. And I was like, I'll try it. I can honestly say I've never tasted anything worse in my whole life than the fuzz on that drink. It's a bit like a Barocca drink with basically this fuzz on top that numbs your lips and tongue so you can't feel anything. It's the weirdest experience. Mm. It's so odd. It's really cool, but looking back at it, I'm really glad I did it. But if you want yeah. two drinks to enjoy, that's not the one. Yeah, so I've, I've brought up the Disney Experience app just to, again, for, for the listeners. The drink contains Ciroc Peach Vodka, Bowls Peach Snaps, Simply Orange with Tangerine, Pure Sugar Cane, and the Buzz Button Tingling Foam. No. Now, now the Buzz Button Tingling Foam is think of it this way listeners if you when you go to the dentist and the dentist gives you the um the numbing injection on your mouth and all of a sudden you you basically can't feel your your that side of your mouth it's like that but on your lips and then your tongue and then the back of your throat so it's yeah. quite bizarre and it takes a while for it to go nice. away yeah well, the drink itself is nice. nice and now yeah. i'm really confused because i'm wondering maybe it was a really nice drink but that combined with the fuzz meant yeah. that it tasted awfully to me exactly the thing was was that when when we did it in california we experienced the same thing so i went to the bar and i said do you have a straw so we then drank the drink through the straw which was a bad idea because the alcohol was at the bottom but anyway <laughs> um so we was drinking it through the straw to get past the phone um eventually and yeah it was a, it was a, it's, a, it's a very odd sensation um but that aside the drinks themselves were amazing um and again for the listeners you know you can see where they're going with the theming we have a best bin fizz a dagobah slug slinger a t16 skyhopper a jedi mind trick and a yub nub you know the, the the name of these concoctions are absolutely bananas but they just taste so good i mean even yeah. the beer the beer that i i drank was a white wampa ale and a bad motivator ipa and a gammarian ale you're like they're nailing the theming of everything that's involved in this theme park. Did we have some snacks as well? We did have some snacks. I'm just trying to find what they are on the menu. So we had like a, we had um, we had some jelly. Yeah, that's um, exactly what we had, like shots. Yeah, it was like a, I'm trying to find the name of it, but I can't. Um, I forgot about. Bas- that. Yeah, we had we had the jelly that. Doesn't seem to be on the list anymore. No, this is the one day that I forgot my. Phone. Here it is. Yeah, it's the. It, we had the ogre's obsession. Yeah. Um, which was a little bit weird. Um, and then we had this jelly thing that I can't seem to find the name of it on the app, which is really annoying. Um, but effectively, it was like a, it was like a blue jelly that had like popping candy in it. Um, and a little bit of like Oreo chocolate on top as well, which tasted really good. Yeah. And it this was... was all after we'd eaten the Ronto wrap. So, you know, we were well and truly fed that day. Oh, yeah. The pro- yeah. The problem with it is, is that I'm, I'm almost struggling to remember it because all I can come up with is that taste of my tongue not working. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because in in the actual cantina itself again even the cast members that are serving you are trying to keep it super themed so again um i even think we were welcomed with a comment of bright suns at one point as well i think i think we were were, so you know and i'm kind of just trying to find some of the pictures that we took of of that particular that particular session in the cantina and it was absolutely brilliant um and i think that that in itself is quite a small representation of how well they've themed galaxy's edge right yeah yeah absolutely you know you look at those pictures and you almost still have to just pinch yourself that you've been there i mean it's not lucky because obviously you're paid to be there but um but it's just it's still kind of lucky in the sense that it even exists yeah exactly and you know (laughs) The, the, the sequel trilogy, again, without going off topic, the sequel trilogy has had its critics. But I think what Disney have done is even now, like the, the, the park has been open for, for months and with the opening of Rise of the Resistance, it's kind of reinvigorated the park. And, you know, when you see the wait time for the ride, I mean, 
just to give you guys an example of what that looks yeah. like at the moment, it's we're currently recording on a Saturday afternoon um, yeah. in the UK. And what I'm going to quickly do is open up the app and see that the wait time currently for Galaxy Smugglers Run is 80 minutes. Right. Now, we are at half, we're at half past two, give or take, in the UK. So that's 20 to that's 10. Half, that's ha- yeah, it's half nine in the morning. Yeah. And it's at 80 minutes. I think that just shows how popular yeah. it's got. Um, yeah. and, and you can no longer get boarding passes for Rise of the Resistance for today either. No. No, and again, uh, go on. No, I was going to say the 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 pop and candy thing is called ogre's obsession. There we go. Yeah, that was uh, that was really interesting. That was a pop and candy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I've I've got it on my phone. I was just having a look at it, and uh, yeah, it is lemonade, cotton candy flavor, blueberry popping pearls with a bursting dried fruit mixture. It was really nice. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And, and of course, that you kind of just looking at that that menu, you can buy themed tiki mugs to go along with some of your speciality drinks as well. Now you yeah. do have to pay a, a a pretty penny for it. Like there's one where you can get the pork. Um, you get a pork tiki mug with your drink, and it's like thirty bucks. So if you're a big pork fan, you know if that's that, if that's what you want to do, then that's all good. Um, but it just gives you an idea, guys, of of what you can get what you can effectively start to um, get as a, as a memento from your time at Galaxy's Edge. And we haven't even touched on building your own lightsaber. No, yeah. but we are pushing an hour already. <laughs> so, listeners, I th- we may need to do a part two of this. Um, <laughs> I think that might be fun and maybe see if we can involve the other two people that were with us. That might be fun to get there yeah. if we can. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, um, I am i don't know when we'll get around to doing part two, but I'm heading to Disney World in March, where I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that I can get on Rise of the Resistance. So we might be able to do that all in one go as well. Yeah, because there's so much more to talk about, about, you know, the... Is it a TIE fighter? Not really. I don't know. What, what is it? The the ship that Kylo Ren does his performance in front of. But anyway, let's not say it now, because there's so much more we could talk about. Even the theme in the toilets. I want to talk about the theming of the toilets, Alex. <laughs> so, you know, there's so much more to talk about. So maybe this is a, a decent place to, to leave it. Absolutely. Yeah, that is a very good shout. Yeah, there's so much more to talk about, guys, from a Galaxy's S perspective. You know, we've not even touched on where to build a lightsaber, where to build a droid, how to see Kylo Ren, no. where to buy blue milk, no, nope. <laughs> and the toilets clearly that's a thing for you to discuss Ali on the next one oh they need to be closer to the millennium falcon i'll tell you that <laughs> closer to the cantina that's for certain oh yeah um, yeah <laughs> yeah there's no toilets in the cantina no there are no toilets in the cantina that's there's a good tip for you yeah um, <laughs> disney if you're listening put a toilet in the canteen if well, not put them in the ride queue i was thinking about that <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny you say that because in the ride queue, because I know the queues are so long, you can buy snacks and drinks in the queue. Yeah, you can, which is awesome. Um, they have people standing up, which is really cool. But at the same token, if you have a bottle of Coke and you have to queue for 90 minutes, you're a bit like, well, uh, uh, I'm going to have to wait till they get off the ride. But anyway. Yeah, well. Let's let... leave that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so to keep consistent with our podcast, Ali, um, as we wrap up, final yeah. thoughts. Well, we plan to do half an hour and we've done an hour and we haven't done half of it, which tells you just how big this world is, how amazing it was. And, you know, um, Catherine and Alex were amazing guys who helped Aileen and I because they'd been there before and showed us around it. They were brilliant. But um, I, I don't think when we left in November, we expected to be going back as a group again this November and to have it booked in January but it was so good there's just we didn't do it all and there's so much to see and I think now that both rides are opened it'll be even better you know Mm. I was I was reading the blogs and I think on previous podcasts I've said how um it might not be the success people thought it would be because obviously you know that that the head of the park got fired because partly because people weren't going in the numbers they expected. But that's all changed with the second ride. That has all changed. And the fact pass holders can go in and everything else now. Mm. It's obviously a commercial and cr- critical success. And above all, it's 
just the ultimate Star Wars fan experience. I think that's the longest summing up I've ever done. I was going to say, yeah, you're, you're on par with Dave on that one, uh, as per normal. Hate but, the last uh, Jedi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I think some final thoughts from me is that the first time I went to Galaxy's Edge, I had I had expectations being the Star Wars nerd that I am, and, I, and they were met. Regardless that some of the some of the hate that came out of it was there's no original trilogy characters apart from Chewbacca and the Millennium Falcon and 3PO and RTD2, but anyway. So there are no original trilogy characters. It's on a planet that's never been in a film. Yep. They're doing it really bad. Ultimately, it is a success. Yeah. Um, and I think that's more of an annoyance to some people on, in the world than it is that the fact that it, it, that it failed, you know. Yeah, I think um, so. There's so much good coming out of it, and it's going to get bigger. Rise of the Resistance you know, opening has basically just made it one of the most popular lands uh, in Disney World. Um, the first couple of years that I went to Disney World, Hollywood Studios was fun because there was Star Tours and other bits and pieces, but it was very much... I used to call it a half-day park. You could do it in half a day. Whereas the likes of Magic Kingdom and Epcot are a full-day park, and now Animal yeah. Kingdom is as well. Yet now Hollywood Studios really is a full-day park. Um, and Galaxy's Edge is the reason for that for the most part. Yes, we do have Toy Story Land there now, which is great as well. But, you know, everybody wants to ride the Millennium Falcon. Everybody wants to drink blue milk. Everybody wants to build the lightsaber, yeah. well, if you can afford it. Um, and everybody wants to get on Rise of the Resistance because yeah. it's, it's, it's fantastic. And with the hotel opening in two years, we've not even discussed the hotel in detail yet either. You know, that will become on the next podcast, listeners. Yeah. So again, we are the Jedi Council. Can I have a um, final, final thought? <laughs> oh, we have a final, final thought. Go on then. Yeah, my final, final thought is, is that we did it just about the time where day was turning tonight and they are two very different experiences. So I would like to go back when it's, fully at night because when the lights come up it's a very different experience and very special and um, not to say it isn't during the day but um just to make that point for anyone who's going try and go during both times that's a really interesting thing and my final 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 thought <laughs> <laughs> just off of that if you are going to go and you're in california um the position of galaxy's edge from a positioning of the theme park perspective is such that if you go at night to your point, the Falcon's lit up, um, the, 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 the outpost is lit up, the market's lit up, and it is, it's breathtaking. But if you're there for the fireworks that is every night in, 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 in the Magic Kingdom Park or Disneyland Park as it is in, in California, you can actually see some of the fireworks from Galaxy's Edge. Wow. So if you think back to, this is going to sound like a really weird comparison, but at the end of Return of the Jedi, when the Emperor's dead and the Death Star 2 is exploded, you see all these <laughs> fireworks. What did you say? What? At the end of Return of the Jedi. When? The Death Star 2 explodes. You said when the Emperor was dead. Oh, okay. When the Emperor we thought was dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, spoiler if you haven't seen Rise of, the Resist- Rise of Skywalker yet. Um, and you see the fireworks in the sky with the Ewoks looking out over the trees. It's kind of similar to that because you can't hear the music of the fireworks which is great because you're still in galaxy's edge but you can see the fireworks that adds a whole new level of wowness to it um so that's a little tip if you're going to the one in california but anyway and here's the final 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 (laughs) final tip which is if you get the disney skyline you get an amazing view as well like we did that's a very good point maybe we should have a session where we should just have a show about tips of visiting galaxy's edge i've only ever been once well you learn more than other people that have never been that is true. That is true. So with that, we are the Jedi Council. We like to talk about everything and anything Star Wars. Thank you very much for joining us today for our Galaxy's Edge review part one, as it's turned out. Um, for those of you that don't know, we are on all of the major social media channels. We are on Twitter. We are at the Jedi underscore council. We are on Facebook, TJC underscore the Jedi Council. We are on Instagram, the Jedi underscore council underscore TJC. We are on the web www.the-jedi-council.com for those of you wanting to catch up on all of our back catalog from a podcast perspective we have a full catalog on soundcloud where we do all of our hosting we have it on the ios podcast app we have it on player.fm you can find us on spotify like and subscribe to all of those particular channels so you do not miss a thing when it comes to all of the shows that we have and remember 
may the force be with you. And remember that on, follow us on YouTube because there might be a new video dropping very soon. Remember, the force will be with you.